0: All right, good morning. Uh, before we uh, get into uh, the study of the Gospel of Luke or continue our studying the Gospel of Luke, I do want to. Uh, the screen behind me uh, shows um, that next Sunday, uh, Don, Pastor Don McClure will be here and he will be uh, teaching. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, we put it on social media, it's on our Facebook and also on our Instagram. And so I would encourage you to, to share that and, uh, and to invite. Um, as many people as you can to come out. Um, it'll be a treat. I have been looking forward to this for quite some time. Um, finally, it, uh, it came to a point to where the Lord uh, coordinated um, the scheduling of Pastor Don McClure. So uh, make sure that you uh, take, take note of that and, and share that if you do have Facebook or Instagram. Uh, take a look at our page and then um, share that post this week. Well, this morning we are in Luke chapter 7, and we're continuing our study through this gospel. We are covering verses 11 through 17, uh, which is the account of the time when uh, Jesus raised a widow's son from death. The title of this morning's message is the tale of two processions, the tale of two processions. Let's begin by reading Luke chapter seven, verse 11. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Father, we ask your blessing upon this time of study, Father, that you would help us, Lord, to remember the study of Your word, Lord, that we would be prepared for, as we see here, the inevitable, and that is death. Father, may we not ignore it, may we not just uh, reject it entirely, because even if we do, it's going to come. And so help us to understand death. Help us to understand also what you desire, that none perish but that all reach repentance. Help us to understand what it is that we were reminded of this morning through the devotion that Richard gave to prepare us for communion. Lord, why it is that we declare the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, until he comes for us again, that by doing so, we are declaring victory over sin and death. And so Lord, may we may we be prepared and looking forward to that, that moment, Lord, that we are instantly in your presence, Lord. For the Apostle Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, Father, that's our hope. Thank you for giving us that hope through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so we commit this time of study into your hands, Lord, we ask your blessing and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So one thing is for sure is that death is the final enemy because if sin has been conquered in Christ, then death is but the doorway to eternal life, only to be in the presence of God our Savior for all eternity. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, even though every person knows that they will one day die, it's pretty amazing to me that it is the very thing that a lot of people are are unprepared for. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, should it not be the business of this life to prepare for the next life and In that respect, to prepare to die? But how can a man be prepared for that which he never thinks of? Do you mean to take a leap in the dark? If so, you are in an unhappy condition. And I beseech you, as you love your own soul, to escape from such peril by the help of God's Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, if I do not think of death, yet death will think of me. If I will not go to death by meditation and consideration, death will come to me. Let me then meet it like a man. And to that end, let me look it in the face, close quote. This is a portion of C.H. Spurgeon's sermon that he delivered from the text of Job. Again, it is something that we cannot ignore. It is something that we ought to be prepared for. Ignoring death doesn't make it go away. It'll come whether you acknowledge it or not. Isn't it interesting that life is temporal and yet we treat it as if it were all we had, as if in a way it would be eternal. How is it that that is placed in our very hearts and our desires? Perhaps it is because eternity has been set in our hearts. And yet, we know That death is final. And there is no coming back from it. And yet we still ignore it. Oftentimes we refuse to talk about it. As if uh, perhaps it may not be real. And unfortunately many people arrive. Unprepared. Guessing building up in their own imaginations what it is after death, simply surprised at times that it happened at all. Think about that. I mean, how is it that you could be shocked about something that you knew was going to come? How is it that you would come to the conclusion and believe that, perhaps if I ignore it, if I don't talk about it, That it somehow won't happen. I pray that we would think about this. That that we would really understand it for, for what it is. That these things that I've said about how people handle death may not be true of us at all. Because this morning we will learn about the tale of two processions. One procession is led by Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And the other procession is led by a dead man. Again, let's read about the two processions coming together. Verse 11 says, Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Two processions. One was coming in, the other one was going out of town. Now Nain is located about 25 25 miles south of Capernaum and six miles southwest of Nazareth just to give you an idea geographically of where it's located in Israel. Now this could be completed in one day as far as the journey is concerned from Capernaum, but it would be a long day but nonetheless it could be it could be walked in one day. And we know that Jesus had a following not only his closest disciples or the apostles, but also we see that a great crowd was following him. This was happening and the crowds were continuing to grow around him because his popularity continued to grow. As they drew near to the gate, about to go into the town, they met this other crowd that was gathered behind an open casket. There was a funeral procession that was now crossing theirs. This was a funeral procession that followed a man who had died, an only son of a widow She had not only lost her husband, but now she lost her only son. It was an especially sad day for this woman. But if you could for a moment just consider the fact that here we have two groups. One group was following Jesus And the other group was following a dead man. One group was filled with joy and wonder. And the other group was filled with sorrow and weariness. I have no doubt that the mother's soul was filled with anguish and loneliness. Perhaps even despair. Because again, her husband had died and now her only son had died. The very ones that would take care of her. And yet in contrast, we see the other group with Jesus. They were filled with gladness. They were filled with expectation. You see, they had been following Jesus and as he spoke, as he taught with authority They were following Jesus because they had witnessed the healing of many, the casting out of demons. It was spectacular. It was amazing. As they were following behind him, they were were filled with joy, they were filled with awe, with great expectation. And yet, the mother, she is proceeding with no expectation whatsoever, filled with grief. And it was at this gate of this town that the two processions met. Not only do we have two processions that met there, but we, we have two enemies that met there. Verse 13 says, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. The Lord saw the grieving mother and had compassion for her, and said to her, do not weep. If you can imagine the grief of a mother, and she was a widow, A man coming up and just speaking those words, but they were words of compassion, do not weep, because those words were followed up with action. You know, as we see this picture in the story unfolding before us, we're reminded, as it says in Psalm 34:18, that the Lord is near the broken-hearted and saves the crushed in spirit. In fact, 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. It was his compassion, it was Jesus' compassion that led to act in this particular situation. Now we know that in the life of Jesus and in the three years of his ministry, From the time of his baptism in the Jordan. To the time of his crucifixion. That there were more than just three deaths that he tended to. But what we have illustrated is is the authority and the power of Jesus Christ over death. His compassion, in fact, that he has for us. Has brought us to a place of knowing His love for us and His grace in and through Jesus Christ. As He was sent to pay the ultimate price, demonstrating His love for us with a compassion that is unmet, to give us eternal life, the forgiveness of our sins, and be reconciled unto the Father. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Two enemies have now come face to face. At this point, as Jesus said these words to this widow, a woman who had now lost her son, both crowds, I'm sure at this point, were standing still. Just watching as Jesus approached the open casket that the pallbearers were carrying. Jesus walked up, he placed his hand on the casket and spoke to the young man. He said, Young man, I say to you, arise. Pretty interesting, because he spoke to him as if he was alive. It would be like us walking up to someone who who we know is sleeping and just simply saying, wake up, arise, it's time to start the day. That is exactly how Jesus spoke to this man who was lying dead in this casket. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we're going to verse 40. And we're going to take a look at two other accounts in which Jesus raised two other people from the grave. From death. The first one is Jairus' daughter. And in fact, in this situation, we know that Jesus delayed in, in going. In verse 40, it says, Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Now, the rest of that up to verse 49 is is a, a bit of, you could say, um Um, a delay that was when Jesus dealt with the woman who had an issue of blood so there was a delay there it wasn't like Jesus you know at that point uh, felt like he was in a hurry to go tend to Jairus's daughter you take care of both so he delayed, but let's go to verse 49, where it continues. It says, While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house, that is Jairus' house, came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any more. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him, except Peter and John and James. And the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. This was, a, again, a, a second account of Jesus raising someone from the dead. We also have another account in John chapter 11. And this is in verses 1 through 44. We will not read the whole account, but we will go to verse 38. And again, Jesus was delayed. In fact, he was delayed for some length to come to Lazarus's grave. In John chapter 11, verse 38, it says, And Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent to me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him. And let him go. As Jesus did with Jairus' daughter and with Lazarus, so he does with this young man. Jesus simply spoke to him. As he did with Jairus' daughter, as he did with Lazarus, he spoke, commanded them to rise up. As we see in all three accounts, the spirit was reunited with the body, and they all three rose to life. The body lay dead, but the man was alive. There was a separation between the spirit and the body, but the spirit was not as the body was. Sometimes we think about death and we, we wonder, but really the Bible is very clear. It's very clear about the what happens with the body and what happens with the spirit. As I said in my prayer, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present for the Lord with the Lord. For all those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there's an, also an immediate separation. There is no purgatory. There is no second chance after death. It is final. At that moment, if we do not die in Christ, we die in our sins and remain separated. That, that's in fact what our brother Richard Had reminded us of in John chapter 3. This is the very reason why Jesus came. To shed his blood. For without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness for our sin. We know that as we read the account of Lazarus. Both Mary and Martha. They both were coming to Jesus and telling him. That had you been here, we know our brother would live. And yet, when Jesus did come to the grave, to the very tomb that had a stone covering it, even then Martha said, Oh Lord, he's been in there for four days. There will be an odor. In other words, there is no question that Lazarus was dead. He was he was prepared for burial. He was placed in the tomb. There was a stone that was rolled to cover the tomb. In fact, these were the words that he spoke to Martha. In John eleven forty. he says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I, did I not tell you that? In fact, he had a conversation with her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This was his question to her. This is prior to going to the tomb. She responded to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She believed in the resurrection. But she didn't connect the two and really understand that he had the power and the authority to raise Lazarus from the dead in this very moment. That's why in verse 40, he, he tells her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? In that moment, you can anticipate now that we, we see this, hindsight's twenty twenty. we know what happens, right? It's as if he's telling her at this very moment, stand by, I told you this, and it's just, at this very moment, you're going to see the glory of God, the power of God, the authority of God, the sovereignty of God at this very moment. Active as I raise Lazarus from the grave. As Jesus commanded Lazarus to come out, so he commanded this man to rise up. And he did. In that moment, he rose. And he spoke. We don't know what he said. We, we don't know. But in that moment, he was reunited with his mother. It says that he was He was handed back to his mother. This clearly demonstrated Jesus' power to raise the dead. The ability to rejoin the body and the spirit of man. You you ever wonder about that? Well, you know, we have questions about cremation or uh, whole body burial. Um, You know, there's no concern about that whatsoever. No concern whatsoever. In fact... What is it that God formed man out of? Eh, Let's put some dirt together, right? He brought dirt together, formed man, and breathed life into him. There are people who have died in spectacular ways. People who have died out to sea. We just observed 22 years from 9-11. The remains of many people were not found. Do you not think that God is able to bring together our glorified bodies and our spirit together? Oh, He is able. I I have no concern about that whatsoever. He is able to do that. In this moment, Jesus demonstrated his power and his authority just speaking to this man. And he sat up and he began to talk. And again, Jesus, as I said earlier, gave him to his mother. They were reunited in that moment. And I am sure in that moment, everyone was rejoicing. We're going to see here how they were were filled with awe too. I mean, this is is pretty wild. If you were in that place and you saw this take place, I'm sure you would be speechless. All rejoiced, and yet at the same time, they were all filled with fear and awe. Luke 15, 7. Think about this. Because the moment that you place your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is the moment that the old has the old man has died and the new has come and all things have become new. You have been born again. Once you were dead in your tresp- trespasses and now you are alive in Christ. You have been resurrected. You have been reconciled unto the Father. And in Luke 15, 7, it says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, everyone needs repentance. God desires that none perish, but that all reach repentance, according to 2 Peter 3, 9. It's just that some people think that their righteousness, which there is none, none is righteous, no, not one, that perhaps their, their goodness, their righteousness, uh, that they in and of themselves have, a, have the capacity to reach heaven on their own. And yet Jesus said, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. We see two processions, two enemies. We have death and Jesus who met their At that gate. But there will only be one victorious. Verse 16. Says that fear seized them all. And they glorified God saying. A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea. And all the surrounding country. And Jesus had turned a funeral into a celebration, an open casket into an empty casket, a grieving mother into a happy mother. And in this moment, as we have been saying, they were all filled with awe. They glorified God, acknowledging even Jesus in that moment to be a great prophet. But just remember, in this moment, that's what they were looking to him as. They were so close, and yet so far. Remember what the Israelites did, the Jews did, with the prophets that God sent them in the history of their nation. They will soon do it again, by the way, with Jesus. But in that moment, they acknowledged him. The people saw for themselves that life had won over death. And there is indeed one life that has conquered death, and he is Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The people at the same time as they experience all this what, what struck them is, is fear overwhelmed them. They were both filled with fear. But in that fear, they, they glorified God and said, a great prophet has arisen among us. Was that true? Was that a true statement? And the answer is, of course, yes. When the people said, God has visited his people, was it a true statement? And the answer is, Yes, those are both true statements. But, again, did they fully understand who was standing before them? And the answer clearly is no. Well, the demons believe and even tremble. Again, why have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ? Was it for salvation? As I've said over and over again, Or to just simply fix something, fix stuff. He has to be called upon as Savior, as Lord. As a God who has authority over you completely. Why? Because He has purchased you with the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. You belong to him. You no longer belong to yourself. Do you fully understand salvation? Do you fully understand what it means to give your life completely to Jesus Christ? To give your life partially to him is to not give it to him at all. Listen, the tale of two processions is no fictitious story. It is not imaginary. It is no fairy tale. It is real. Two processions met. Two enemies faced each other. And one was victorious. I'm going to read to you again. I thought it was great and something that, that really struck me. In understanding this, as Richard read in John chapter 3, in starting in verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There was an only son, God's only son, that was coming. There was an only son that was going out. Two of them met there at the gate. But we need to understand this, that whoever believes in him, in the only begotten of God the Father, should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. Are you afraid of your evil works being exposed? Don't fear that because that will actually keep you from salvation. When truth is, is shed upon your life what happens is it exposes your heart for what it is that is exactly what needs to happen because it's at that point when you realize that you have sinned and fall short of the glory of God that it's in that moment that you have the opportunity to confess your sins and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Listen, I know there's the work of sanctification. I'm not ta- we're not referring to the work of sanctification. We're referring to the work of salvation. Don't fear for your works to be exposed, for your very heart to be exposed. Whatever is exposed, again, you have the opportunity in that moment to confess. In other words, to agree with God. God, this is not of you. Father, forgive me. Forgive me. one of two enemies is going to be victorious in your life the enemy of Christ will win you over to the depths of hell the other you will know victory in Christ eternity in the presence and glory of God Death is the last enemy but it cannot be conquered without Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus and no victory over sin and death and one day we will enjoy for all eternity his presence. But reject Jesus and no eternal life in hell separated from God in an eternal state of torment. Again Remind you of what Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11. This was the conversation that they had. John chapter 11, verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Listen, if you were asked that same question today, would you be able to ask with great confidence, knowing that, yes, I believe. Oh, Jesus, you are the rec- resurrection and the life. Though the the body may be absent of the Spirit, truly the Spirit is with God the Father. I pray that you would be able to say that very thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50, the Apostle Paul writes, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, Beloved, we live with God, do we not? Shall we not die with him? Our life is one long holiday when the Lord Jesus keeps us company. Will he leave us at the end? Because God is with us, we go forth with joy and are led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills break forth before us into singing, and all the trees of the field do clap their hands. Will they not be equally glad when we rise to our eternal reward? It is not living that is happiness, but living with God. It is not dying that will be wretchedness, but dying without God. Close quote. So, which procession are you following today? What group are you in? Will you today choose to follow Jesus to place your trust fully in him and surrender your life completely to him if so then you will find your life in Christ and be with him for all eternity death simply being the doorway to his glory I hope and I pray that you are prepared for death that you would cleave unto Jesus knowing that that salvation is offered by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. What do you do? You repent of your sin. You turn from it and turn instead to Jesus, who is the author of life eternal. We know that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved. Have you done that completely? I'm talking about just in in full. Reserving nothing, holding nothing back, not giving a portion of yourself to him, or perhaps giving and then taking away, that's no giving at all. Have you completely surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? We're going to pray but in that time of prayer. I would ask that if you're in that place to where perhaps you've turned your back on Jesus, you're no longer walking with them or, again, it's just a, a partial surrender, which, again, is no surrender at all. That you would repent. Confess and repent that to the Lord. Ask him to receive you completely in your life as you surrender to him. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's only It's only through Jesus Christ. Will you surrender your life to Christ? Because if so, and I'll tell you that the procession that you are a part of is a procession of life. And from this life to eternal life in his presence will be known by you. And you will know joy forevermore. I pray that that's the decision that you make. If you have not made that already, perhaps you needed a reminder this morning that in Christ there is hope in this life as we look to the life that comes amen father we thank you lord oh for the hope that we have in jesus christ there's no other way to you thank you lord for tearing that veil from top to bottom and giving us access to the holy of holies to your very presence through jesus christ who willingly went to the cross paying for our sins in full, was put in the grave and conquered the grave three days later as he resurrected, Lord, the first fruits of many. Lord, the others that we spoke of, Lord, the widow's son and Jairus' daughter and even Lazarus, Lord, they were, they were in a way, Lord, they were resuscitated, Lord, because they experienced death again. Lord, but for us, when we come to that moment of death, oh Lord, we will, we will be in glory. We will be in your presence. May we look forward to that moment fully prepared, not ignoring the inevitable, but, Lord, understanding it and knowing that, Father, you sent the Son to conquer both sin and death. May we be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace for us, your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.